Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Today, two episodes from yours truly, Johnny Dollar, with Edmund O'Brien. Enjoy. From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar... Lieutenant Shark, did you leave a message for me to call? Yes, I did, Lieutenant. I want you... It was all bundled up by the time I got it. Snyder got your name and what hotel, but I never did find out who you are and what you wanted with me. It was about the Alonzo Chapman killing. Oh. Well, what's your interest in that? I'm an insurance investigator. I was sent out here from Hartford, Connecticut, to see what I could learn. We got the news at about 8 last night. I was on a plane by midnight and in Los Angeles by noon today. Well, I must be tired. I don't have any more than I had last night. I suppose you want to talk to me, though. Yeah, I'd like to. All right. Come on over. But uh, give me an hour so I can get some lunch. Edmund O'Brien in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Tri-State Insurance Group, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Alonzo Chapman matter. Expense account item one, $208.50, airfare and incidentals between Hartford, Connecticut and Los Angeles, California. After a delay of about an hour or so, I was able to make an appointment with Lieutenant Jim Schock, the detective in charge of the case. I met him at about 2.15 and he brought me up to date. Uh, Chapman was registered at the Quincy Hotel. He met this, uh, this girl in the hotel bar at about 7 last night. They left together about... They got it at a quarter of eight. Turned in the alley to get to the parking lot where her car was parked. And that's where he was shot. In the alley. Was it robbery? No. He was well healed, too. Over $300. Had in his coat pocket. What about this girl? We didn't hear about her. Well, we did. Norma Sale. Picked up on a shoplifting charge last year. But uh, she got a job and stayed out of trouble since. Pretty little thing. Born in Nebraska. She says she met an actor in a road company back there. He told her he'd uh, introduce her to some important people in Hollywood and maybe she could... Well, you know how it goes. Yeah, but I wonder if Chapman's wife is going to. She's on her way out here. How long has this girl known him? Well, she says she just met him last night. I think that's what she said. She was transferred to county jail this morning at 11.30, a material witness. I suppose you want to talk to her. Yeah, I'd like to. So would I. Might as well go on over. too fast. That's why we got too many people. We got too many... We got uh, too many cars. Too much of everything but streets. It's a mess. Well, if I don't know anything about Hartford, I've never been there. Well, it's a little slower pace than Los Angeles, but it's got its problems. Yeah, I suppose every place has something. Yes, but... it is, Lieutenant. Oh. We just called Cassidy when he wanted to send it back to ourselves. Yeah, all right. I'll do that. Thanks. Oh, come along here, Norma. This man is Mr. Dollar. He's an insurance investigator from back east. How do you do, Miss Ann? Hello. You can just sit down. How are you feeling today? Not very good. I tried to talk to you last night after Mr. Chapman was shot. Do you remember? I sort of half remember. I went to pieces, I guess. Yeah, you did. 
Couldn't get anything that even sounded like a statement from you. That's why I had you held, so we could talk it over today. Sure. But I don't know anything. We left and then it happened. How long had you known Mr. Chapman? I just met him last night. He made regular visits to Los Angeles. Are you sure you didn't meet him before? Of course I'm sure. Why would I lie about that? We just struck up a friendship last night. Uh, how, how did that happen? Well, I dropped into the bar at the Quincy for a drink, and he started to talk to me. Uh-huh. What all did he say? It was just one of those things. It happens all the time. I knew it was a pitch, but he seemed like a nice guy. He just didn't want to be alone. He asked me if I knew any good places to eat, and I told him about a place I like out towards Hollywood, so hmm. he asked me if I'd show him. Uh, you ought to be more careful who you get friendly with. Or maybe I'd better turn that around and say you ought to be more careful about who knows you're getting friendly with somebody. Guess I don't get you. We're looking for a reason somebody would want to kill Chapman. Maybe a man friend of yours? It couldn't be anything like that. I don't have any steady boyfriends. No, that's not saying there isn't somebody who wants to be one, is it? There isn't anybody, and that's the truth. If it had been somebody I knew, I would have recognized him, wouldn't I? And it's possible that you might want to protect him if you did know him. I didn't know him. There isn't anybody who'd do anything like that. No, I I can't hold with that, Norma. You're young, you're pretty. Why, I should think there'd be a bunch of young bucks after you. Boys from that store where you work, man. I tell you, there isn't. It's the truth. There isn't. If there was, I'd tell you. Well, maybe you would. We've got to find a reason that Chapman was killed. I don't know. It wasn't because he was with me. All right, now, Norma. Don't get all upset again. You've got to remember some other things. I hope you aren't holding anything back, Norma. You know that we can learn the truth from other people. Sure I do. Ask the girls I work with. Ask Jeannie Stevens. She ought to know she's lived with me for almost a year. All right, Norma. Now, when you and this Chapman decided on a place to go for dinner, you left the hotel, you started for your car in the parking lot. Yes. You turned into the alley... Which was a shorter trip than going around the corner, and this this gunman was waiting there. Hmm? It wasn't dark, was it? No, not quite. How far down the alley was this man? Well, it was not very good at measuring, but must have been about oh, halfway to the parking lot. Uh, there's a big trash box there behind one of the buildings. This man was waiting behind the box, and when you came by, he stepped out, fired three shots, and ran away. And it was light enough so that you could get a good look at him. Yes, it was darker in the alley, but I'd have recognized anybody I knew. Would you remember if you saw him again? I'm not sure. Maybe I would. Now, Norma, it's up to us to figure out how come this killer was waiting there, where he was. It beats me how he knew Chapman was going to pass by that box. I don't know. You can see how odd it looks, Norma. If he didn't know Chapman was coming that way, he must have known that you were. I don't know how it happened. I'm telling the truth. Maybe somebody heard us talking in the bar. Heard enough to know you and Chapman would go through the alley? Maybe somebody could have. I don't remember exactly how it went, but I told him where my car was parked. Yes, I said... I said just down the alley, I remember. And then did you leave? Oh, not right away. We had another drink. Well, that'd take uh, about 10 or 15 minutes, I suppose. Well, how about it, Dollar? I don't think I have anything more. Thanks, Norma. All right. I'll get Cassidy to take you down. I'd like to send you home, Norma. Uh, maybe tomorrow. You know how it goes. To both Lieutenant Shock and me, the jealousy motive was still first choice. As a matter of fact, at that point, it was the only choice. Nothing in Alonzo Chapman's room or among his effects gave a hint of a murder motive. The Cleveland police had been requested to send anything they had on him, and local men were at work checking his Los Angeles business associates and his movements. Shock left to question Norma Sale's roommate, and I went back to satisfy myself on the beginning of it all. I waited for the evening bartender at the Quincy Hotel. Uh, now I'm not busy. We won't get crowded for another hour. How about last night? Were you crowded about 7, 7.30? Oh, yeah, yes, one. If you'd ask me about anybody else in the place, I couldn't tell you a thing. But I remember this little blonde dame and this guy Chapman. I'm glad to hear that. Usually it doesn't happen this way. Yeah, I suppose not, but I'll tell you how it was. You see, a Chapman had been in a hotel for a few days, you know. Yeah, I got in Friday last week. Well, I'm not sure when I first met him, but he dropped in for an early drink, like, you know, quarter five, five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk a little bit, then he'd go up to his room and come back around seven and stay for another hour or so. I, I tell you, it was bound to happen. What do you mean? Oh, and I was getting killed, not that part of it. I mean a little blonde. I didn't know what he was saying for anything, but... That when she came in, the Boston's were all taken. Chapman spots her and gives her his place. How long had he been there? Just a couple of minutes. I hadn't gotten around to taking his order yet, but when I did, he ordered for the both of them. Then after that round, they moved to one of the booths. 
Did you happen to notice another man who could have been interested in them and could have been close enough to overhear them? Oh, no, no gee, the, the place was full. I didn't notice. Or, or maybe the bar girl did. The Grace Curcio. She'll be in at 5.30 if you want to talk to her. I'll have to come back later. Chapman's widow is due to arrive in about 20 minutes. That masher had a wife? Yeah, how about that? Oh, I'm no stuffed shirt, but if that guy acted this way and all the towns he hit, she's better off without him. Now, I'll ask Grace if you want. Uh, what, what's your hotel? The Larkin. If she does remember something about it, I'd appreciate a call. Huh? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Howard. Thanks a lot, Howard. See you later. Lieutenant, this is Dollar. Oh. Oh, you got anything to report, Dollar? Nothing that does us any good. Mrs. Chapman just checked into the hotel. I'm in the lobby there now. How did you make out with Norma's roommate? Oh, just fine. She seems like a level-headed sort of girl. She says uh, Norma hasn't gone with any one particular man for a year. That one's name was Clyde Mills. Served uh, a six-month sentence on some charge or other. Not important what, but they're all washed up. Yeah, I'm going up to talk to the widow, if it's all right with you. Sure, go right ahead. Make a suspect out of her if you can. We need some. Could be. From what I hear, she had a motive, not counting the insurance money. But I don't know whether she knew it or not. I'll check with you later. Meeting Mrs. Chapman was quite a surprise to me. I naturally expected to find the widow approximately the same age as the dead man, something near 50. But she wasn't. She looked to be only a few years over 30, if that. Don't feel like you have to try and make things easy for me, Mr. Dollar. You don't. All right, Mrs. Chapman. Did he suffer much? No, he died almost instantly. If it had to happen, I'm glad it went that way, then. I hope you understand. I'm trying to. I take it you weren't too fond of your husband. I wasn't. And it would be stupid for me to tell you anything else or to act any other way than I am acting. We're still looking for the reason your husband was killed. You said he was taking this girl someplace. He was, but we haven't been able to make anything out of that yet. She says there's nobody who would kill out of jealousy. I saw her picture in the paper. We doubted her, too, but our closest friend wouldn't have any reason to protect someone who had tried to kill Miss Sale. She said there was nobody. Well, there are other men who'd have good reason to kill him. You didn't know him, did you? No, i never seen him. He was good-looking. Not tall, but he sort of looked it. He took care of himself. The iron gray hair. He was better looking when he passed 45 than he ever was when he was young. I was surprised that you were so young, Mrs. Chapman. That's why. He was attractive to women. My bad luck was leaving Cleveland and letting myself get roped into a marriage. I found out about one of these girls. And then he started bragging about all the others. You mean it's possible that a man followed him to Los Angeles from someplace else and killed him? I don't know, but... I do know that he must have hurt a lot of people. Well, he, he's through hurting me. I've stuck it out because I knew this was going to happen someday. Every time I've read about a murder like this, I knew it would happen to him. Now it has. Now I own a house. I have a bank account. Insurance money. I'm finally getting something from my marriage. <laughs> I tried to phone Lieutenant Shock a report on my meeting with the overly honest Mrs. Chapman, but he was out of his office getting the teletyped answers to the request he'd made for information from the Cleveland police. So I cabbed over to see him. Now, I'm not saying that what Mrs. Chapman says isn't possible, but I don't want to go off half-cocked on a wild goose chase. I didn't think you'd like it. I don't either. Chapman came here from Fresno by train, so say it would have to be some guy from there. We'll see why he didn't... Well, say he didn't kill him in Fresno because he thought he wouldn't draw suspicion down here. How did this guy locate him? Chapman didn't reserve a room at the Quincy. He usually stayed someplace else, so he'd have to be followed. That's yeah, no good, Dollar. Why, you couldn't expect an inexperienced man from Fresno to do a job of tailing like that through Union Station from there to the Quincy and all this, uh, this traffic? Well, uh, uh, it's possible, I suppose. You going to check it, then? I guess so. Probably wouldn't be too hard to get a list of the people who got on that train at Fresno. Yeah. List of hard up for motives. Now we got them all over the country. 
He was old enough to know better. Lieutenant. What? Uh, here's a follow-up on the stuff from Cleveland. Oh, thanks. Right. Hmm, well, this is darn nice of those boys. Hmm, get something? Hey, Chapman phoned Cleveland that day. He checked in, didn't he? Yeah, it was Friday. Why? Look at this. Seems like his missus was seeing a lot of a man named Nicholson. He's known to have left Cleveland on Friday night, and he hasn't been seen since. Hmm. Like this a whole lot better. Yeah, this could be what we wanted. A man with a motive who knew where Chapman was. You think it's time you met the honest widow? We will return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Melody knows no boundary, neither does Joy, as Russ Emery and Judy Lynn sing their hearts into yours. And Ray Block's orchestra and chorus offer the music that's great from the 48. It's the full-hour Ray Block music party every Friday night over most of these same CBS stations. Listen for it this Friday, a whole hour of the songs America loves, the music the nation dances to and lives by on Ray Block's music party. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Mrs. Chapman, this is Lieutenant Shock investigating her husband's murder. How do you do? Glad to meet you, Mrs. Chapman. Well, I'm sorry about circumstances. It's not very pleasant. Mrs. Chapman, we never did get around to talking about your friend, Carl Nicholson, did we? <gasps> what do you... What do you mean... Well, you told me about some of the improvements your husband's death was going to bring you, but you didn't mention Carl Nicholson. Please. I know I sounded hard when I talked to you. I shouldn't have said some of the things. I thought you were being honest. I was. Too honest, I'm afraid. I don't think so. Mrs. Chapman, I've been in touch with the police back in your hometown. They found out somehow about this Carl Nicholson. First, they said you'd been seeing quite a lot of him, especially when your husband was out of town. Is that right? Yes, it's true. Mm, uh, what were your feelings toward Nicholson at that time, that is, prior to your husband's death? I'm fond of Carl. I never made any secret of that. He's my age. We have a lot of things in common. You know where he is? Why, in Cleveland. Oh, well, that's funny. The police told me he was out of town. I don't know what this means. I don't understand. You didn't know he left town? No. I didn't. Now, if you were fond of each other and you had all these things in common, it seems to me you deserve to be told if you were just going to up and leave town. When did you see him last, Mrs. Chapman? It was last week. Friday, by any chance? No. It was before then. It was Wednesday or Thursday. Why are you asking me these things? <clears throat> the police back there went on to tell me that this Nicholson left town on Friday. The Cleveland police? Why should they even care about Carl? Because I told them that on Friday, your husband had telephoned you from the hotel where he was staying here in Los Angeles. Isn't that right? Yes, but I... I don't know what you mean. Didn't you see Nicholson on Friday after you talked to your husband? No. Do you mean that you think... I told him where Al was staying and that he came out here... Now, now, Mrs. Chapman, we didn't say we thought anything, but it's our job to solve this murder. We aren't saying we think you and him planned the whole thing and that he... Hopped out of here the first thing after he learned where your husband was staying. But there are a lot of things that aren't clear in our minds. The theory you gave me about all these wrong men around the country didn't hold up too well, Mrs. Chapman. It wasn't a theory. I just told you what I'd been thinking. You said you'd been waiting for it to happen. But the way we see it, the way your husband was killed, where he was killed, makes a jealous out-of-town man seem too far-fetched. But we're looking into it. Don't you worry about that. Do... Do you have a reason to think that Carl has been in Los Angeles? We're covering the possibility that he might have been. Maybe you just mentioned the Quincy Hotel in passing, casually, so you hardly remember. No. I haven't seen Carl or talked to him since before Al called me. I didn't tell him. Why did he happen to leave town on Friday? I told you, I don't know. I didn't know he'd left. Well, with all these things in common, what did you think when the news about your husband reached Cleveland? Didn't you wonder about why you hadn't talked to this Nicholson all those days? 
Yes. I did wonder. Yeah. Now, why didn't you tell us all that without all this back and forth? Because it would have sounded so awful. Do you think you improved things by holding back? I don't know. Maybe I didn't. The last time I saw Carl was on Wednesday. We had a fight and he walked out. You can prove that's the last time you saw him? Prove? I haven't been thinking about anything like that. We fought over the same thing for almost a year. Carl wanted me to get a divorce. And I wouldn't. Because you were waiting for your husband to get killed. Did you ever tell Carl that? Yes. You tell him uh, that during his, this uh, fight on Wednesday? I think so. But you didn't talk to him after that? No. Could you have learned someplace else where your husband was staying? I don't know. I I don't know who else Al called. Carl wouldn't kill him. I'm positive of that. Would you happen to have a photograph of Nicholson? Why? Some are on their way by radio photo and some others by airmail. But we might be able to save time if you have some. I have one. I want to erase something off the back. Now, don't you fret, Mrs. Chapman. We'll show it to a couple of people. If Carl is innocent like you think he is, well, this is the quickest way to prove that, too. Gee, I, I, it sure like to help you. You know, if I'd seen a snap of Sure, don't say anything you're unsure of. Uh, what did the bar girl say? Almost the same thing you did. It was crowded and she wasn't sure. Oh, I'm awful sorry. Ah, that's all right. I'd rather have a careful witness like you than one that thinks he has to say something to live up to the title. Well, well I, yeah, this guy could have been here and he couldn't have been. I, that's the best I can go. Sorry. Thanks, Howard. It's okay. I'll do better next time. I'll keep my eyes open from now on. Uh, maybe I'll get on a force someday, huh, Lieutenant? say a boat is so expensive to keep up that before long you don't own it. It owns you. So we sold it and there went my fishing trip. <laughs> you get much back there? Yeah, but I haven't gotten back into it since before the war. Yeah, you are there. Everybody ought to. The best Here's nerve the tonic. Lieutenant. Well, oh, thanks. We won't be long. I'll take a down when you're through. Hello, Norman. Oh. We've got a picture of a man we want you to look at, Norma. Why? Well, you look at it. Come on, get a good, bright light on it here. Who is he? You ever seen this man? I couldn't swear, but I think he could be the one that shot Mr. Girk. I hate to say for sure because Mr. Chapman was on that side. Look at it again, Norma. What is there that you think you recognize? Maybe I'm wrong, but the way he's here, right here... The way some of it hangs down across his forehead. This man's about dollar's height. Well, I'm not sure of that. He's kind of crouched. But you think you saw the hair? I don't even know why I think that. But when I close my eyes, it seems like I can see his face. Yeah, well, now you take a long look at it. Study it. We'll have some more pictures of this man tomorrow. And if you can be sure, why, then maybe we can let you look at him flesh and blood. What happened so fast? Just take your time and forget the lieutenant and me. If I could, I'd leave it so you could study it all night. But it's a piece of evidence, and therefore belongs to the state, so I can't leave it. As it turned out, we didn't have to take that photograph or any other picture back to Norma Sales for identification. The first reason turned up that night. There was another message from the Cleveland police. The body of our chief suspect, Carl Nicholson had been removed from the remains of his car. The crash had occurred within 200 miles of his home. Witnesses said that he had been returning from a friend's country place, and the alcoholic content of his blood gave credence to Mrs. Chapman's story that they had quarreled. It became obvious later that he had been on a week's drunk. In addition to killing him, it had removed him in other respects as a suspect. The other thing that changed the direction of the matter was not as closely connected to any of the principles. As a matter of fact, hardly connected at all. It was a story on the front page of the next morning's paper. A man named Max Gerber, with a criminal background, had been found shot to death. Along with a year-old picture of him was printed the fact that he had been staying at the Quincy Hotel. With Lieutenant Shock, I went to view Max Gerber's remains and his effects. And at ten that morning, Norma Sale was once more ushered into us. 
Well, Norma, we seem to keep you busy, don't we? Sit down, Norma. Did you bring some more pictures? Not the same as we brought last night. That wasn't the man you saw in the alley. I wasn't sure. The bartender at the Quincy says he'd never seen you in there before the other night. Why'd you happen to go there? I don't know. I guess it seemed like a good idea because I hadn't been there. Was there something special that took you there, Norma? There must be quite a few sort of bars where you haven't been. There wasn't anything special. I think it's fair to tell you that uh, we checked the store where you worked and found out that you left there at 3.30 that day. I didn't feel very good. You felt good enough to go to the Quincy. You felt good enough to let yourself get picked up by this man. I guess that's my business, isn't it? What I want to do and who I want to be with. Why, sure it is, Norm. Who did you want to be with? What do you mean? A man named Alonzo Chapman or a man named Max Gerber. I just went in, that's all, and I met this guy. You uh, didn't go into that bar expecting to meet some special man, did you? No. Not even if you were paid to meet him? No, I don't know what you're talking about. That man that was killed. I mean, the one you were with. Did you know what he did for a living? That he was a salesman. Well, that's what we're getting at. He was a salesman. We cut two pictures out of the paper, Norman. Here's one. This the man you met at the Quincy? Yes. You sure, Norma? Yes, I am. This man wasn't killed in the alley the other night. He's the man I was with. No, he isn't. This man was killed last night, Norma, right outside the Quincy Hotel. Here's the picture of the other man. They look alike, don't they? They're the same. I saw the suit Max Gerber was wearing. Even it was sort of the same as Chapman's. It was brown. But they're the same. I mean, it was Gerber. It was Gerber you were supposed to meet. It was Gerber. No, it wasn't, Norma. Yes, it was. All right. You were supposed to pick up Gerber in that bar, weren't you? I didn't know what they were going to do. But you did pick this man up and take him down that alley. They said he owed them some money, and that's all they wanted. Tell us how you found this man in the bar, Norma. They planned him out in the lobby. He made a phone call, and then he went into the bar. I went in after him. Brown suit, gray hair. Yes. It was Alonzo Chapman you took out to get killed. No, it wasn't. Why should we tell you it was if it wasn't? You're lying to me. You're trying to trick me. No. They just made a mistake. They pointed him out. And you made the mistake. No, I didn't. I didn't. I did what they said. They told me I had to, and I did. They sent me because I was blonde, and it was the right one. They didn't say they were going to kill him. He just owed them some money. That's all they wanted. That's all I wanted. I didn't want anybody to get killed. I was blonde and I was young, and that's why they sent me for money. Expense account item two, miscellaneous, while in Los Angeles, $255.08. Item three, same as item one, transportation, back to Hartford. Expense account total, $672.08. Remarks, the second murder, Max Gerber's, was a gangland rubout, planned with the aid of a young blonde as bait. The first murder was only a mistake. The apparent moral is that companies shouldn't hire salesmen. Women shouldn't marry them. Young blondes should stay away from them, but confidentially, some of my best friends are insurance salesmen. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen in the Paramount Pictures production... War Path. Featured in tonight's cast were High Everback, John McIntyre, Harry Lang, Jeanette Nolan, and Virginia Gregg. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. Beginning next Wednesday, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar will be heard one half hour later on most of these same stations. This is Dick Cutting inviting you to join us next week at 9.30 Eastern Daylight Saving Time when Edmund O'Brien returns as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Every time you buy a United States defense bond, you help in our defense effort and you help build your personal security. Yes, defense bonds are good for you and good for your country. Remember, defense is your job. Buy United States defense bonds.
waxworks lately. Nothing like being taken to the cleaners, though 45 minutes of cleaner fun would be hard to find. You'll enjoy this evening's session of songs and stuff featuring Robert Q. Lewis, his guests, flatters, chatter, and assorted pleasantries. It's the Robert Q. Lewis Waxworks, open for business five evenings a week, Monday through Friday, on most of these same CBS stations. Today, the United States is celebrating the 175th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Stay tuned now for the official U.S. anniversary program with President Harry S. Truman, Secretary of Defense General George C. Marshall, Chief Justice Fred M. Vinson, and others who follow immediately over most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. That, that plane crashed, Johnny. Did you hear? Yes, I just turned off my radio. Oh, it's horrible. Well, who is this? Oh, I, I'm sorry. It's Sam Harris, Columbia. Oh, sure. Does your company carry the policies on that airline? Yes, but I'm not thinking of that. That crash was planned. They're definite about it now. Yes, an explosion, some kind of a bomb. There were 13 people killed in the plane. They don't know how many in the houses it crashed into. We've got to place responsibility. The company wants to do whatever it can. We've got to find whoever is responsible. Sure, Mr. Harris. You want me to go out? Yes, we do. Their airline representative is a man named Reed. Go out and do everything you can. Edmund O'Brien in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Columbia Oil Risk Insurance Company. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the fairway matter. Expense account item 1250, cab fare to the scene of the plane crash, which, as you know, covered quite a bit of territory. The fairway airlines plane had taken off at 8.20 p.m., had reached an altitude of no more than 1,000 feet, and then had crashed setting a fire two houses a short distance from the Springfield Hartford Airport. I got there a little after 9.30. One house had been partially saved, but the other had been completely demolished. A family of four living in it had been killed. The parents of one child in the first house weren't expected to live. And beyond, twisted pieces of the plane were scattered across a field. Fragments still smoking and turned white by the foam from chemical extinguishers. Oh, there's nothing you can do here, Mr. Reed? Mr. Carl Reed? Mr. Carl Reed? Yes, over here. What is it? Please, please go and wait in your car. We'll let you know as soon as we can. My baby. My baby. Yes? What do you want? My name is Dollar, the insurance company somewhere. Insurance company? Good Lord, this is hardly the time to worry about money, is it? I'm a private investigator. They've hired me to help them any way I can to fix the plane. Oh, I'm sorry I misunderstood. I guess I... Oh, oh you, you have to excuse me, Mrs. Goodhue. There are some things I have to do. Come along, Mr. Dollar. She doesn't know about the explosion. And she thinks there's a chance her daughter wasn't on the plane. She was. She was the stewardess. You haven't told her? I can let her hope for a couple of more hours. Why shouldn't I? I've had to tell too many people. It's, it's just horrible. I think even worse than if it had been an accident. When you know it was premeditated, when you know someone planned it, what kind of person would, would you have to be to, to plan something like this? It's hard to believe, Mr. Reed, but we have proof. There was an explosion in the extreme after section. It destroyed all the control cables to the tailor center. I don't suppose the civil aeronautics man is here yet. Oh, he's on his way. They're sending one of their best, S.W. Newton. Captain Lenhardt of the state police is here, though. Oh, I'd like to speak to him, then. You have any idea where he is? The last time I saw him, he was over by that ambulance. Oh, it's left. But, uh, see the group of men over by the hangar? Yeah. Uh, they 
They collected the bodies there. Made as many identifications as possible. I know it's bad, Mr. Reed, but don't you go to pieces now. That wouldn't help at all. Oh, I'll, I'll be all right. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. Yeah. I remembered Captain Jim Lenhardt from a case we'd shared last year, and I found him in the group of silent men. The silence and the expressions told better than words how they felt about the row of sheet-draped bodies on the ground. How was Reed making out? I thought he was going to pieces a little while ago. He's still in pretty bad shape. Well, he's not alone. But for us, anyway, Dollar, it could have been worse. plane could have been filled. Yeah, that crossed my mind. And you and I are thinking together, Captain, that our approach will be to find out if we can which victim was the planned victim. Well, with what we have now, I don't see any other way to start, do you? No, no. The possibilities, as I see them, are murder with a motive, suicide disguised, or a homicidal maniac. That must cover it. I have men covering the airport for a two-mile circle around it. Their orders are to question everybody they spot and search every car. That's about all we can do tonight. Well, I'll see you in the morning, then, if it's all right with you. It sure is. I'm glad to have you on the case. I'll meet you in my office at nine. Good. Oh, there's another ambulance. And get the rest of these poor devils into the morgue. Try to find out who they are. The next morning, the official findings were released. The explosive had been nitroglycerin. It had been detonated by some electrical means, which it was assumed was connected to a timing device that had not yet been found. Captain Lenhart's men had questioned a number of suspicious characters near the airport without result. But he himself had received an anonymous tip on a possible suspect, a Wilbur Wheeler, who was a member of the ground crew that had serviced the plane just before its takeoff. Wheeler was shown to the captain's office about 40 minutes after I'd gotten there. Why'd you pick me to come up here? Why didn't you get Straker or Mills? They're over me. It's just routine, Wheeler. Routine, but you must have a reason. I, I got a right to know if you got a reason, haven't I? Why do you think we started with you? Well, I'm asking you, aren't I? Don't be evasive, Wheeler. Can't you say you don't know? The stewardess who died in that crash, Shirley Goodhue. I know. I know it. We understand that she meant something to you. Weren't you in love with her? Yes. We understand that you made quite a pest of yourself phoning her at home, waiting for her at the airport. And then a week or so ago, you learned she was going to marry the co-pilot who was killed. Uh, uh, what's his name? Bill Strand, wasn't it, Wheeler? Yeah. You're saying that you think I caused that crash, sir. You wanted to know why you were here? I told you it was just routine, Wheeler. And it would have been if you'd acted differently. But it sounded as though you were trying to hide some facts from us. Well, I won't anymore. I don't, I don't have any reason to. And why did you? I don't know. I've been going crazy since I heard about it last night. I was still at the field, and I, I got sick, and I had to go home. Yeah, we heard about that. I got home, and I turned on my radio. Then I heard what caused the crash, that explosion. I knew that a lot of things I've said and a lot of things I'd done were going to make trouble for me. Even getting sick and coming home was bad. What were some of the other things? I said some pretty bad things to Shirley when I heard she was going to marry Strand. Then I had a fight with him. You had a fight with him over the same thing? Well, I guess for me it was really over that. He ordered me around one day and I didn't like it and that's how it started. He beat me up pretty bad and said he'd have my job. And I told him that I'd see the day as plain with him in it. It would be plastered against some hill. I know what it sounds like now, but it didn't mean anything. It was just talk. There's plenty of that, all right. You heard enough, Bella? I think so. That's all then, Wheeler. I can go? Yeah. Nobody would be stupid enough to compromise himself the way you did and pull a job like this. I sure made a lot of mistakes. I know that. Yeah. Just be around or we can find you if we want to talk to you anymore. I, I can't go back to that airport, sir. I was going to call him and quit if it's all right with you. Just be where we can find you, that's all. I will. I'm sorry. A lot of people are, Wheeler. I know. Well, goodbye, Wheeler. Thanks for coming down. Yes, sir. What do you think? Uh, the only reason I say forget him is because he's the first one we've questioned and things don't work out that way. Yeah. Collins, uh, the man just leaving my office. Name is Wheeler, Wilbur Wheeler. Have two of the boys get on him and stay. I'll arrange to relieve him tonight. Yeah, thanks. 
I'd like to know what's in his background. I'd like to get a psychiatrist's reaction, wouldn't you? We'll learn about him. Now, let's get on this list of passengers and see what we can get from their survivors. We spent the rest of the day in the efforts of six more of Captain Lenhart's men preparing files on the ten dead passengers. One file contained nothing but a name, Rupert Stone, gotten from the ticket office records as that of a man who had paid cash for space to Augusta, Maine. The Hartford address he had given was non-existent, and the phone number rang a bakery where no one had ever heard of a Rupert Stone. That one we dropped until the accurate identification of the bodies was complete. Lenhart and I started out to follow up a couple of the others that evening. Check. Mrs. Graham? Yes? This is Mr. Dollar. I'm Captain Lenhart of the State Police. We'd like to talk to you about the death of your husband. No. I've talked too much. It only keeps in my mind the things I saw in that field. And the women crying. We know, Mrs. Graham, but it's our job to fix the responsibility. We only want to ask you a few questions. You'd want to help find whoever caused all those deaths if you could, wouldn't you? How can I help? Uh, may we come in? All right. But only a little while. I haven't slept. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, Skipper, be quiet. He knows. Poor old dog. Very soon he will die. Then I'll be alone. Oh, please sit down. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Graham. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, uh, Mrs. Graham, uh, your husband. Yes? Uh, well, he, he bought space to Boston, didn't he? Yes. His brother's buried there. Oh. He was a religious man. Quite often he would go to visit his brother's grave. I see. Uh, I think that's all we needed, wasn't it, Dollar, to, to recheck his plan? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, I, I think that was all. Yeah, I, I think we'd better go. We're sorry to have bothered you, Mrs. Graham. And uh, thank you very much for seeing us. All right. Uh, yes, thanks very much. Uh, oh, don't bother to get up. You don't have to come to the door with us. Good night. Good night. Good night, Mrs. Graham. Quiet, Skipper. You won't come back. I couldn't cut it. I think that dog did it. Sorry. Don't apologize to me. This hasn't happened to me since I was a rookie. Forget it. But grilling a poor old woman to find out if her husband's cancer might have driven him to suicide, I couldn't go through it. A whole rotten mess. Ah, I think it's getting us so old. Why don't we have a couple of drinks on the way downtown? Forget it for tonight, huh? Or try to. That suits me. You know Al's on Front Street? Yeah, it's fine. Any place. Well, let's go, then. I'll phone him from there and have Collins check me off duty. Sixty, sir. That's good enough. Keep it. Thank you. Oh, here he comes. Well, drink up, Dollar. I guess I'll have to waste mine, because it seems I'm not off duty. What happened? Well, we're back to that stewardess again. The explosive has been checked to her equipment. The lab men say some twisted metal they found used to be a first aid box. They think it was in there. That brings Wilbur Wheeler back again, too, huh? He's been picked up right now. I don't think I need this drink to get through a session with him. second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Lee Tracy plays his rollicking screen role of Hilda Johnson, newspaper man, in Hecton MacArthur's perennial comedy, The Front Page, tomorrow night on CBS Broadway Playhouse. It's an all-fun cast headed by Lee Tracy as Chicago's Hecton MacArthur farce about crime reporters comes to life once again on Broadway Playhouse, tomorrow night over most of these same CBS stations. Now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
locate Carl Reed, Dollar? Yeah, he was at home. Poor guy's been under doctor's care, but I think I got what we need. How have you two been getting along? Yeah, Wheeler just got here. We were covering the point of whether or not I have a right to have him brought down here. Maybe I'm wrong. You are. Didn't you want to come, Wilbur? I guess I don't like the idea of being loaded into a police car twice in one day with everybody in the block gawking at me. A lot of people have been loaded into police cars today, Wheeler. They were glad to come in and do anything they could to help clear this thing up. Well, I want to help, too. I, I didn't mean it that way. We're glad to hear that. How long have you worked for the Fairway Airline? About a year and a half, I guess. What'd you do before that? What do you mean? You... You still think I had something to do with that crash. That's what you mean, isn't it? We'd like to find out who did. Wouldn't you? But you think I did it, and I didn't. I, I told you I didn't. Even you said I didn't. And it sounds like you've got nothing to worry about, so calm down and answer our questions. I want to know why you're asking questions like that. Why did you bring me back here? Because some new evidence has turned up. That's why. What does that have to do with me? It has to do with Shirley Goodhue. I don't know what you mean. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I told you everything there was about her and me. Did you know that she carried a first aid kit aboard the plane last night? First aid kit? I, I don't know what you mean. You don't? After working there a year and a half? What did you do on the plane? I brought food on, checked the water and a few other things. Uh-huh. Things that the stewardess would be involved in. She'd be there with you, wouldn't she? Yeah, but I, I don't know what you're driving at. I, I don't know what you mean. In the back part of the plane? Yes. Shirley was there, and you were there last night. Yeah, but I... Where did she put her first aid kit, Wheeler? Why do you ask me that? I, I, I don't remember. I didn't notice. They had a place they kept it, but I didn't notice. Was it open? I don't know. What was in it? If I knew what you meant, I don't know why you're asking me these things. I talked to Mr. Reed, so I know about these things. Fairway is an unscheduled airline, so they have their own particular routines. One of them is that this first aid kit is the stewardess's responsibility. Each one is a kit. They take it off the plane when they leave, and they bring it aboard when they report for work. I don't know what you're talking about. The explosive wheeler. The nitroglycerin that was hidden in that first aid kit. I didn't put it there. That's what you mean, but I didn't do it. I, I, I didn't know anything about Enough it. Enough explosive to tear out the whole tail assembly. I didn't do it. I didn't. Thirteen people in that plane, Wheeler. Four people in one of the houses it crashed into. Probably two more in the other. I didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't do it. <laughs> Wilbur Wheeler was turned over to the police psychiatrist because we couldn't get any farther with him. And a lie detector test was arranged for the following morning. The web that was tightening around him was only circumstantial. And the question was, did he know that he could keep on saying he hadn't done it and that we couldn't do anything without physical proof? Or was he innocent? Our last move that night was to go to Wheeler's room. We were looking for wire that could be checked to that used with the explosive. We couldn't find that or anything else that could be a definite help. But a couple of things we didn't find seemed strange. Hey, he said he came home and turned on his radio. Well, there isn't a radio here. Maybe we've got him on a real line there. Yeah. Newspapers, Lenhardt. Can you find any? Well, I hadn't noticed. No, there aren't any. Unless he's got them out of sight someplace. Why would he do that? Huh? Not in the waste paper basket. You'd think a man as closely connected to this as he was would want to find out what the papers were saying, wouldn't you? Guilty or innocent. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know, Dollar. I'm, I'm bushed. Let's drop it for tonight, huh? I'm ready. Uh, we'll try him again tomorrow. I'll drop you at home and see you about nine in the morning. The next morning, Lenhardt and I talked to the psychiatrist who'd spent a couple of hours with Wheeler. In technical terms, what he said was that Wheeler was definitely suffering from a severe guilt complex. But whether that meant he had actually committed the crime or had only wished secretly that harm would come to Miss Goodhue wasn't clear yet. In terms of evidence, that meant nothing. The lack of a radio or newspapers in his room, the doctor tossed off as meaning merely that Wheeler was hiding from actuality. As Captain Lenhart put it, if that doctor thinks he helped my mental condition, he's wrong. there were two developments. The first one was the report that the results of Wilbur Wheeler's lie detector test were negative, but his reactions put the mark of guilt all over him. The second came from the fairway office of Carl Reed. He'd been unable to locate another of his stewardesses, and when finally he'd sent someone to her apartment, she'd been found, shot to death. 
We met Mr. Reed at the scene of the second crime. I, I simply had to get back on the job today. Two of our flights were delayed yesterday because of my going to pieces. You better watch it now, Mr. Reed. I don't know if I... Just take it easy. You try to phone this girl and tell her to report to one of your flights. And when you sent somebody out here, she was found dead, right? Yes. I hadn't tried to contact Alice before because I knew that she and Miss Goodhue had been close friends. And I knew she must have felt uh, almost responsible for her death. Why, Mr. Reed? Why? She was scheduled for the flight the other night. I thought you knew that. No, we didn't. I wish we had. But I told you that, that night at, at the scene of the crash, I was talking to her mother, Mrs. Goodhue. Yes, I remember that. You, you said she thought there was a chance that her daughter wasn't on the plane. I told you the other girl was scheduled no, to... No, Mr. Reed, no. You made it sound like Mrs. Goodhue thought her daughter was on a different flight. You didn't say anything about another stewardess. Oh, good Lord. It's I... all right. It's all right, Mr. Reed. The human mind isn't infallible. But it can correct its mistakes. Oh, go on. Tell us now. That, uh, that's all. With everything else, I suppose it didn't seem important. I know our procedure is less uh, exact than the larger companies. The girls often traded flights. When did you find out about this trade? Not until Mrs. Goodhue told me that her daughter had gone to work that night. You didn't discuss it with her by any chance? Oh, I, I didn't discuss it. That night and... and uh, well, I think we'd better go see Mrs. Goodhue, darling. I think so. Sergeant Collins over there will be in charge here, Mr. Reed. He may want to ask you a few more questions. Uh, all right. Collins. Yes, I'm leaving. I'll see you at headquarters. Right. Well, you know what this probably means? The case against Wheeler is shot. Second stewardess, that's a pattern. Everything we've tried to do has been for nothing. Mm -hmm. Circumstantial evidence sometimes does that. Mm -hmm. But we were close. We settled on a stewardess anyway, as the intended victim. Yeah, but it doesn't help to think that maybe all those people died because of a mistake. The wrong stewardess died in the crash, and the killer had to come back to take care of the right one. I'll tell you anything I can. Well, we've just learned that your daughter wasn't scheduled to be on that plane, Mrs. Goodhue. No, she wasn't. Do you know why she happened to be? We understand that she and Alice Turner exchanged flights quite often, but do you know how it happened the other night? Oh, no. Shirley was here at home, and the phone rang. Uh, what time was that, please? Oh, I hardly remember. We'd had an early dinner. The plane took off at 8.25. How long before then? Well, an hour at least. No, it was less than that because Shirley left in such a hurry. Well, what did she say? Well, she said that one of the girls was sick and she was going to take her place on a flight. Just up to Maine and back, she said. She said she'd be home soon after midnight. I, I, I've never liked rush decisions and I've always worried when Shirley left in a hurry like that. She did it quite often? Yes. Yes, they all did it. Six of them live here in Hartford. I never liked it. Did she trade more often with Alice Turner than the others, do you know? Well, I don't think so. No, it was an agreement, almost a code. If one of them couldn't work, one of the others would fill in. Well, then it's possible that Alice Turner called some of the others before she called your daughter. Yes, it, it is possible. And I wish that I... <laughs> Naturally, the hope that Captain Lenhardt and I had was that we'd find another of the stewardesses Alice Turner had talked to and learn the reason she had wanted to get out of the fatal flight. We didn't. She hadn't called any of the others, and we were left with nothing. Nothing but the prospect of starting the whole investigation over from the beginning. The enormity of the crime had been in all of our minds from the first night. We'd never thought it might have a positive quality, but it did. The horror of it led to the solving of it late that afternoon. Lenhardt and I had found no place from which to start over. I went back to my apartment building, and in the corridor just outside my door... Is your name Dollar? Huh? Yeah. Can uh, I help you? I want to talk to you. Uh, I think we better go inside, huh? Oh, I'm pretty busy. I know you are. I know you are. I want to talk about the plane explosion. Oh? All right, come on in. Now look, I can't stand it anymore. I read about Alice Turner this afternoon, and I, 
I, I can't stand it, that's all. What do you know about it? Just that, all, all those people killed, killed for nothing. And I'm partly to blame, too. Uh, I'm ready to give myself up. Why did you come to me, then? Why didn't you go to the police? Well, you can talk to somebody like you. The police are always building the case for the state. Okay. They'll get you anyway. But you'll know what I really said. Go ahead. His name is Church. Arthur Church. Who is Arthur Church? He's the chief pusher for a, for a bigger narcotics outfit than you ever thought there was. We've had a few cranks in this case already. I'm no crank, no crank. Alice Turner was carrying the stuff for him. She wanted to get out and church one letter. So she's got smart. She set up a meeting with a federal man the other night. That's why she was killed. All the rest. Doesn't make sense. If she'd made this date, don't you think the Federals would have been in on this? Alice didn't tell him who she was or, or what she did. How do you know all this? I'm the one that told her church was on her. I told her to drop it, not to go. That's my part of it. I told her church was on her. That he'd stop her some way, some way. I told her to drop it no matter what. I don't like it. Why would she put Shirley Goodhue on the spot? Well, Alice didn't know what would happen. I didn't know. Who could know he'd... Why did he do anything like that? Why did he? If what you say is true, he could have stopped her some other way. That's my doing, too. I kept her out of sight. And the other night, I, I, I told her to do anything to stay where she was and, and not to go to the field. She believed me then. I called Shirley Goodyear and told her she was sick. And that's why she didn't go. Do you know where the explosive was that wrecked the plane? I read today. The first aid kit. That's where Alice carried the stuff. And it was her kid. How did the good you girl get it? Because she was called at the last minute, and Alice had her things in the locker at the field. Oh, now look, Mr. Dollar, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't telling the truth. It's a peddling rap for me. But I've been reading these stories about the people that got killed and the families that are left. I couldn't take it, couldn't take it. I knew the truth. And then when Alice was killed, there was no reason for not telling what I knew. Are you ready to go to the police with him? You heard what I got to say. I'm giving myself up. You're a witness to that. Do you know where this Arthur Church is? Yeah. Yeah, he and I, we live together. And you'll come with us? If I have to, sure. Sure, I'll, uh, I'll take it to him. <laughs> Sit, Moran. This is where I left him. You go in then. You tell him who's here. All right. Just call him naturally now. All right. All right. Are you here? I'm here, you dirty. Get out of the way. I got it. Expense account item two, miscellaneous, $23.45. Expense account total, $25.95. Remarks? For the cost of the other people, the total hardly seems important, does it? I think it would be easier to forget the $25 than the rest of the matter, so let's do it. It was truly Johnny Dollar. <laughs> Truly Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen in the Paramount Pictures production Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Peter Leeds, Ray Hartman, Martha Wentworth, Bill Boucher, Victor Perrin, and Virginia Gregg. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. Dan Coverly inviting you to join us next week at the same time when Edmund O'Brien returns as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Crime Solvers with more great shows from the golden age of radio. We bring new episodes every Sunday at noon and Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So until the next time, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.